Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. I do want to finish what I was saying this morning about the verbal conflict. We saw a great conflict, saw an unknown conflict, saw a personal conflict, and yet a verbal conflict. He is worried that people will listen to the enticing words, verse number 4, and be beguiled instead of listening to what he is saying. And part of this conflict, we said, is who you listen to. You remember when Paul described his preaching. He probably wouldn't be a very popular preacher today because he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, my My preaching was not with enticing words. In other words, when you heard him preach, you're not going to be manipulated by what he is saying or how he's saying it. But his speech was in demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God, but it wasn't with enticing words. And the prayer here to the Colossians is, and this I say, verse 4, I'm saying this in the great conflict for your soul so that you will listen to what I have to say instead of the beguiling, enticing words that others are going to say to you. He said in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 18 as he's worried about that being beguiled. Verse 18 says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. There's a a lot of different ways to be beguiled, as I gave the illustration this morning about the devil. Beguilement is not always a beguilement to some sinful or immoral activity. Sometimes the beguilement, the enticement, is to false religion or a false humility. You see that in the text. He said that there in verse number 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. And we'll get to that verse when we do, but there are things that beguile you and that tempt you and are enticing you, and it's not just sinful, immoral activities. Some people are tempted to lower themselves or have other goals in life, but they're not goals that are connected to God. And that's also a type of beguilement. Paul said, I'm, I'm afraid that just like Eve, you will be beguiled just like she was, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, and that you're going to be listening to people that you shouldn't listen to. Your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Who are you listening to? Hold your finger right here. We'll be right back and go to 2 Peter chapter 2, would you? 
And we just got through preaching through the book of Jude as you're turning to 2 Peter chapter 2. I'll remind you of Jude verse 16 in the last days. He's talking about murmurers, complainers walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaking great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. The words that you listen to, the words that you read, the words that you let affect your heart and your mind and your family. We are in such a dangerous day. You can read anything you want to read. You can find out any point of view that will punch every button with you. People repost things that other people have said and they don't even know where that's coming from. They don't even know the spirit that's behind those things. But it makes them feel better about what they're experiencing and they're listening to words, not of people that are committed to Christ, but they're listening to words that they feel like that somebody understands what I'm going through, but they're not trying to help you on to God. There's different types of enticing words. There's different types of beguilement. Here's another one in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says in verse number 14, Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. You know what? You, we are all good candidates for being beguiled if we are unstable. Do you remember what we preached about being grounded Y'all remember that? We just preached about being grounded and settled. And if we're not grounded and settled, then we are candidates to be beguiled. The people that get beguiled are the people that aren't grounded and settled. They're people that are unstable, that are easily beguiled. You know, if a Jehovah Witness comes to my door, they're not going to get anywhere. I'm already a satisfied candidate. You understand? They have nothing to offer. I remember years and years ago, uh, them coming to my, my door and knocking on my door. And I said, what are you guys going to do? Man, I'm happy in Jesus. My name's written in heaven. I know I can't lose my salvation. All my sins are taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a place reserved in heaven for me. I'm waiting for Jesus to come. I have the Holy Ghost of God. He's given me love, joy. I went through all that. I said, what do you got to offer? And they just turned around and left. Because when you are stable and satisfied in God, the beguiler, what's he going to tempt you with? But when you're not grounded and settled, and when you're dissatisfied and disheartened, you're the prey. Beguiling unstable souls, he says. And they do that in verse number 18, you're in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Anything but the preaching of the Bible. Let me hear some great swelling words of vanity. Like, psych, you know, all the psychology. It seems like everybody is a uh, professional psychologist today. 
Though they, they don't have any degrees in psychology. I wouldn't listen to the people that had the degrees in psychology. But the people that think they figured out all of the deep answers of life, they don't even have control over their own habits and addictions. But boy, look at the great swelling words. Boy, they make a lot of sense. But I go to church and everything don't make good sense. Maybe you're being beguiled. In Romans chapter 16, would you look there? Got to finish this message before we get to the next one. Romans 16, here's some other beguiling words. And here, the question, guys, is this. Who are, you, are you going to listen to the Bible or are you going to listen to them? Are you going to listen to God's words are, are they going to listen to Paul and this I say, or are they going to listen to, God, to, to, to the words of those that are beguiling them? He said in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 18, or look at verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the who? Of the simple. You know, if you'll say something just the right way, you can deceive a lot of people. And that's why preaching is rejected because it's just, it's, it's so blunt and it's so true. And it's not good words and fair speeches. That's not what God is, is about. And he talks about the, the divisions that happen. The divisions that happen. They happen in people's lives. And the reason is the devil wants people to listen to the good words and the spare, fair speeches and not the preaching of the word of God and not the truth of the word of God. And, and Paul was very, very... Uh, knowledgeable about this. You know how many people attacked Paul's credibility in the Bible? And he had to defend himself a lot in the Bible. Why did he do that? Was he, was he trying to get people to worship him and follow him? And, 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 and was he trying to exalt himself? No. But he was their preacher. And if someone can minimize, and if someone can relegate him to a place where he's, he is not influential anymore, then what he says will have no effect to the people he's preaching to. Guys, do you understand why divisions and strife and problems come up? They come up to get you to quit listening to the words of God. You know, every preacher, every preacher has faults. Every preacher has a weakness. But, you know, I get calls all the time from great pastors. I got one not long ago, a great pastor. And he just had a big church split and people attacked him. And, I mean, he has given his life to serving people. And here's the thing. If the devil can get you upset at the person that's preaching to you, you know what that means for you? You're not listening to the words anymore. Guys, it doesn't have anything to do with the preacher. It has to do with the words that are being preached. And all the devil has to do is to get you on outs with the person that's preaching to you. I'm not saying this trying to... 
I'm just saying this because this is in my text. The devil will work on your heart to get something in your mind against the preacher so you'll quit listening to the preaching. I'm just telling you. It has nothing to do with me. Because if the devil can get in your mind, and it, it can be even be a, a, a visiting preacher. Maybe he says something in his introductory remarks that chaps you off. Or, and then the rest of the message, you don't hear a thing. You might wonder why I got this. This is, this is on purpose. Guys, be smarter about this conflict. Does the preacher make mistakes? Yeah. Do our guest preachers get up and some, say things sometimes that aren't right? Yeah. Does moi mess up? Of course. But if you ever get twisted, then every sermon that comes across this pulpit does not affect you. And you will listen to other words. I'm just telling you what the conflict is. Beguilement. I've watched people. I've watched, not with me, I've watched people with other people. I've watched people, a guy will preach and he'll say something and people just turn him off like they're turning off switches. (laughs) Guys, you've got to be smarter than that. Okay, he said something that wasn't just perfect. How about you? What if your wife or your husband did that to you every time? Or maybe that does happen at your house. Maybe your parents do or say something boneheaded. You know what the devil says? The devil just says, just turn them off. You see? And listen to... He says, this I say... Because I don't want you to be beguiled with enticing words and good words and fair speeches. I got several more things. Let's go to message number two, though. (laughs) You know, we live in a day where people don't speak very well. I know there's a lot of boring preaching out there. I know people don't even know how to talk anymore. But you know what the devil's going to do? The devil's going to send somebody your way that's, that, that has a golden tongue. And it's just going to blow you away. You may have a skirt on. May be a friend. Wow. And captivate your attention. You know why I think the Antichrist is going to have such an easy day The Bible says in the book of Daniel that was giving him a mouth speaking great things. The politicians today, man, they don't even know how to give a speech. You wait till the Antichrist steps on the scene. He is going to mesmerize the whole world. He's going to beguile them. And remember this, what I said this morning, that beguilement goes back to a dissatisfied person 
They're already upset. And so they give, they're given a way out. They have a disagreement. So they start listening to the wrong words. Colossians chapter 2, would you go back there? This conflict also has to do with your heart. He says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 2 that their hearts, this conflict's about your heart, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of Christ, of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says being knit together. Do you know if you don't get knit together, you're going to be a casualty in the conflict? Oh, I'm my own guy. No, you're not. I know y'all didn't know that I was so... The things people, preachers do for illustration. <laughs> Look at the verse. He says, being knit together. Do you see that? Matter of fact, the word knit only occurs six times in the Bible. Two of them are in this chapter. He says, this conflict, your hearts need to be covered. You need to be knit together in love. Drop down to the other part where he's talking about being knit. He he tells us that we are, verse number 19 of chapter 2, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. The Bible says in Judges chapter 20 verse 11 that they were all the men were knit together as one man. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 1 says the soul of Jonathan was knit with David's soul. The Benjamites came to David and they wanted to get together with him. And David, he said he was willing to be knit together with the Benjamites if they were sincere. Now that was a big statement because the Benjamites are of the house of Saul. And David had to be willing to be knit together to people that their background was against him. I'm, I, I, there, there are a lot of people that will not be knit together with anyone. When you knit something, you know, I, I can't believe what I did. I got on the internet, I watched knitting videos. There goes Hamas. <laughs> I watched it. I was, I was just amazed. There's so much in this message, I can't even preach it. It's so far above me because I don't know how to knit. I can't knit anything. I called a bunch of you and you didn't answer the phone today. I did. You'll go home and see my number on your phone. Yeah, because I had questions about knitting. 
Evidently, it's got something to do with the Bible because it's in, in the verses. So if we, if we are going to survive the conflict, God says that we need to be knit together, then we all know something about what that means to be knit together. Here's what some of God's people want to be. They want to be a thread way out here. And God said, you, you, you're a thread out here. You ain't got a prayer in the conflict. You need to be knit together. Matter of fact, if, you, if, if when the knitting gets done, you know what you'll have? You'll have one garment. I mean, taking that big piece of thing and making whatever. I mean, that's, you can't wear that. <laughs> but if it's knitted, it becomes something that all these little threads, shreds of thread, without the knitting job, it's just thread. If you don't let God knit you together with other believers in the church, you're just, you're just a thread, man. So, how do we knit? Some people don't know how to knit a family. They don't know how to knit a church. They don't know how to knit a relationship with the Lord. Matter of fact, look, look, I saw this in verse number 2, and I thought, wow, Lord, what an illustration of knitting. Verse number 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. That's three. You know what that mystery is? That is the mystery of godliness. Do you know how, how knitted together God is? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They are knitted together so well that they're just one piece of fabric but they're three but they're knitted together the trinity is is inseparably linked he's using in the very first verse he's talking about us being knit together he's talking about the trinity and how god is together you know why we can't get together more with god because we can't get together with the knitting program so I, when you take, come here, uh, come, come here, Avery, you can help me. To knit, the first thing you got to do is cast on. That's a term in knitting. I was reading that and I said, what in the world? Cast on? Are we going fishing? <laughs> Cast on for me, would you? Don't be nervous. I know you do a good job at this. Now get ready for the, for the, when you get ready for the loop, you go round and around and around and around. 
and that's called casting on. You make a knot, slip knot, and you make a knot. And then you go round and round the knitting needle because unless you get cast on, you can't make any loops to make the fabric or make the garment. You've got to get on the needle before you can get knit together. The Bible talks about us being knit together in Him. And if we don't, if we don't get cast on, if look at verse number 18. What does number, verse number 18 say again? He said in verse number 18, Let no man beguile of your reward in the voluntary humility. That's not the, the verse I read. Verse 19, And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and all knit together increases with the increase of God. If we don't get cast on to the Lord, if we don't get connected with God, we can't get connected with each other. we got to hold the head. we got to get the head in the proper place to get the knitting going. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Little by little, the loops are made. And each thread gets closer and tighter. You know what the great conflict is? Is for you not to be knitted closer together with the Lord and cast on with God and for you to not be knit together with each other. And so... This person gets on my nerves, and this person's weird, and I don't like so-and-so, and they don't like my kid as well as they should, and such-and-such said this to me. I, I don't want to do this to Miss Stacy's thing here, but I can unravel that pretty easy. Because there's a thing about a knitting job, watch. It just comes apart. pretty easy I can just keep pulling that thread you know what some of you are doing you're just pulling that thread and you're pulling that thread and the knitting's coming apart instead of making another stitch he said you need to be knit together that's why you need a church That's why you need a good Bible so you can get knit together. Amen. Instead of being, you know, some rambling piece of thread out there. <laughs> That's not knit to nothing. He said, I've got a great conflict for you. I, I want your hearts to be comforted. Look, look at verse 2. That your hearts might be comforted. Being knit together. You know probably why some people don't get any comfort? They won't knit themselves together with the plan and the people of God. You don't get any comfort out there by yourself. You say, well, the Holy Ghost is my comforter. Yeah, I know. And if you listen to him, he'll take you to church. And he'll take you to the Bible. And he'll take you to each other. Look at the verse, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in what? So the devil works overtime to keep us from loving each other. 
He said in chapter 3 of Colossians verse 14, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. He wants there to be a bond. He wants us to be knit together. He wants us to hold the head. I think that is such a great phrase in verse 19. Holding the head from which all the body by joints and having nourishment and knit together. Holding the head. That's Jesus. And the closer we get to Him, the closer we can get to each other. And the, and the reason people aren't knit together is because they've wandered away from holding the head. Because He's the head of the church. And the requirements of being knit together, you need a knot. You need to be cast on. You need to be on to the needle. You're not the needle. I'm not the needle. The head is the needle. He's the one that can put us together. His cross, his ability, it's his body. He increases it. He knits it. He just needs some cooperation. Let him knit you. Let him knit you. We want our children to be knit together into the church. And then when they get older, they won't just fade off like a wild string because they've been knit together with the things. There's a knot there. There's a connection there. There's an interlacing of threads. An interlacing of a... I get such joy. Wednesday night, I walk through here. And I mean, you guys work. I know some of you guys, you work late hours. And uh, Wednesday night... Uh, it may or maybe last Sunday. I don't know which it was, but uh, everybody was just keep talking and keep talking, and it was getting late. And the li- I said, "Y'all just turn the lights on when you leave. Turn the lights off when you leave. Stay here as long as you want to." But but you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants you to knit you together with anybody that ain't here. Knit you to some Facebook person or some fake person you don't even know who they are can't knit without a knot without casting on him can't be knit without holding the head he said in chapter 1 verse 18 that he is the head of the body the church he's supposed to have the preeminence knit look at Ephesians chapter 4 See, if you had a preacher that knew how to knit, I could make a lot more points tonight. God wants to knit us together. Guys, you know why, you know why we sent 30-some people out to the, to, to the reservation? You said, yeah, we did that so people get saved and the missionaries get help. Yeah, 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 but there's another reason. There's another reason. Oh, well, because we love Brother Haynes and we love the Navajo people. Amen. But there's another reason. To put the threads together. 
And you, you know what happens in the life of some Christians? Well, I don't want to be involved, and I don't want to go to the evangelism, and I don't want to go to the mission trip, and, and man, I can barely even go to church. You know what's happening? Anybody getting the story? I don't know why we have to go. Why we have to go to the dinner again? Why we have family camp? Why we have? Why we have to have two preachers? I don't think I can make it. That's what's happening. Hey, we're all busy. We've all got lives. Come on, man. But what? But God's trying to knit us together, but He can't. If we never interlace our lives, if we never interlace our time, our effort, our ministry, being knit together in love, he says, to unite us together. Ephesians chapter 4 was where I asked you to turn. He said in verse number 15, but speaking the truth in love, and man, this all goes together. He just talked about in verse 14 of not being carried about and tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. That's all that beguilement we're talking about. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. That's, th- that's what the words we need to hear. Keep reading. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head. There he is. Even Christ. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. There's the knit. By that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. As a pastor, the only thing, guys, you know, God, I'm easy going. I'm, I'm easy going. I don't get in y'all's business. I don't over-pastor you. I probably don't get involved enough in your life. But I just know there have been so many people that have over-pastored people and got involved in their personal business, and I don't do that. But I tell you what, I will get involved. If I know somebody is taking that out, I'm going to cut the thread. Because the threads, the threads are not as valuable as the knitting. And as long as we're willing to be knit together, that's what that's the plan of God. But if there's an ever an attack on the knitting, that's where I have to get involved. Does that make sense? So he says we're, we're to be compacted together, and I know, guys. I, Look, I know some of you are, you're, you're like me, and I feel your pain. Some of you are private people. It's hard for private people to get knitted. Come on now. It's all right to say amen. We're in the Bible still. It's all right. It's all right to be private. It's all right, amen, for not wanting to even be around people. I get it. But there's a bigger picture than your personality flaws. You have got to be knitted together with the people of God and with God himself. Unified. Togetherness. Knit together. Together. 
When we have a missions conference, we need to be together. When we have a special meeting, we need to be together. When we have activities, we need to be together. Don't be the guy pulling the yarn. If you don't want to go camp under the stars, okay, go to the next one. I probably won't be out there either, so. But I still want to be knit together. I'll find the next bundle of yarn that I can get together with. Hmm. The result of that is that your hearts might be comforted. And I'm finishing up, but go back to Colossians chapter 2. There are some good results of you being knit together in this great conflict. One is comfort. You know how many people have lost comfort because they just would not be knit together with the people of God. They've lost, they've lost their comfort. There's another result, though, not just comfort. Colossians 2 and verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance. You know what else you get? When you get knit together, you get assurance. That's what he says. Full assurance comes when you're knit together. In other words, there's some things, look, look, the full assurance of understanding. There are things that you'll never understand about God or about life or about the truth unless you're knit together. Things you'll never learn. Things you'll never understand. The result of being knit together is this rich assurance, this rich full assurance, this understanding we get. Look, look, keep reading verse 2. To the acknowledgement. The word acknowledgement has the word know in the middle of the word. There's some things that you'll never know if you don't get knitted together. There are lessons you'll never learn. There are truths about life that you'll miss out on. Because he says in verse number 3, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him, verse 19 of chapter 1, It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. God, The Lord Jesus has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and assurance. But this is what he says. If you, and they're hid in Jesus, but if you'll get knitted together with the head being held then He will teach you and help you and give you understanding about things that are hidden from other people. Simply put, you can't be smart without Jesus and you can't be smart without being knit together with the brethren. And you can't understand without Him. And you can't understand without each other. Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom. And the more we knit together with him and knit together with one another, we not only get closer to each other, we get closer to God and we understand more and more. So let God put the other thread on and let him make a beautiful garment. He's been working on this for 2,000 years. 
Let him knit you into the pattern. And quit pulling on the string. You ever got a string and you just kept pulling it? You can unravel a lot of things by pulling on that string. Let him make another notch. Let him weave you into the fabric of his work and his will.